Great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for joining us today as we continue in this series, Launch Your Life. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being part of our services. Isn't communion a great thing to take part of? Wasn't that great? I love having communion as a church. We're one church honoring God. It's a beautiful thing. Again, thanks for being a part of our services. I want to also say a special hello to all those who are watching at God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for those guys. We love you guys. Grateful for you. So this, this last installment of Launch Your Life, you know, I had a direction I was going. I was going to talk about the seventh day of creation, which is where God rested. And uh, we will touch on that a little bit today. But, you know, this week also I prepared another message for our staff. And uh, I do that once or twice a month. And, and I, I had a message for them, and, and we delivered that on Thursday to all of our staff. And it's hard to believe we almost have 100 staff now here at Church Unlimited, so it's going to be a large group. And, and so I delivered this message, and God just really showed up in a very profound and powerful way to the point that multiple staff members came up to afterwards and said, Pastor, we really just think that you need to share that exact message to our whole church. So I'm going to broom my message I had and bring you that word because I believe God really did show up and he's, he has already blessed this message all weekend. So I really believe that this is a word for you. And so today's message has been changed. Today's message is called, I'm Not Enough. Because everyone I know struggles with feeling like they're not enough, like they're not smart enough, rich enough, good looking enough, strong enough, pure enough, godly enough, prayerful enough, whatever it is that you feel like you are not enough. Some people go through seasons of this. Some people may wake up every day feeling this way. But I really believe that we all have that moment where we just feel like we're just, we're just short, just shy of success or completion and some area of our life. And so I want to talk about this today because the Bible is very clear that we are made in the image of God, that we have his promise and his, his, uh, his destiny that's built inside us. So we know we are enough in him, but how can we know that intellectually yet still not feel it on a daily basis? I think it's a common issue. So I want to give you four simple principles today on how we oftentimes feel like we're not enough yet we, yet we are. And so if you have your notes, you can pull those out. You can actually get those by downloading the Church Unlimited app and just click on notes and all the notes I'm preaching from are right there in front of you. Um, you can, of course, go old school, take some notes with a pen and piece of paper as well. And uh, please do that. Let's say our mission statement together before we get started. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thank you for coming today. Very excited about this message. So let's just dive right in. There was a guy who had it all. I mean, he was the most successful guy in his whole, uh, in his whole country, and yet he felt like he didn't have enough. He felt like he was incomplete. And so maybe you felt this way too. The guy's name was Saul. God's hand was on Saul's life, but yet Saul began to compare himself to another. And when you do that, that will lead to disaster. And that's exactly what happened in his life. Let me pick up in scripture. It says in 1 Samuel 18, it says, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after, after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. I'm sure Saul was like, wait a minute, what was that? That's not the normal song you sing. How's it go again? Let's see, Saul, Saul, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, Saul. That, that's not what you sang. You just sang that I've killed my thousands, but David his ten thousands? Like all of a sudden he feels the heat. Like who's this young guy coming up? I mean, why are, they, why are they talking big about him? It's supposed to be all about me, right? So he goes on to say this. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said, they credit David with 10,000s and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. 
I, I love that because I think we, we often think, well, boy, I'm not like that. I mean, who would keep a jealous? I'm not keeping jealous out of anyone. Are you kidding me? We have an app for that. It's called Instagram. You keep a jealous eye on everyone you're jealous of now, right? We can actually follow people we're jealous of and know their every move. And so a lot of people are being consumed with this, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, television or, you know, what, whether your fav- whatever your favorite app is, this has become an all-consuming thing in our culture to where we are essentially keeping a jealous eye on everyone. Maybe you didn't start off being jealous, but all of a sudden you follow, you know, someone's highlight reel long enough, you start thinking, wow, their life is just seems much better than mine. Wow, they just seem like they go to the cool restaurants and the cool vacations and they always dress nice and their kids are so perfect. And wow, I wish my life was like that. But the problem is, is that your life is a lot better than, than you think, and their life is not nearly as cool as you think. Because we're all part of the lie. We're all presenting ourselves like we've just got it going on and everything is great all the time, and no one's life is that great. Because we don't post, you know, hey, it's Tuesday and I'm just grabbing Whataburger. We don't post that. We post when we're at the really fancy restaurant when our kids are really good. We don't, we don't post, hey, my kid just talked back to me again today. It's Thursday. You know, we didn't say that, but it's probably what happened, right? We, didn't, we don't post, you know, when we just wake up and put on whatever clothes are near us. We just post when we're all dressed up and look great and the kids are great and everything's wonderful. We, we, we tend to post our highlight reel. Then we compare someone else's highlight reel to our everyday life. And of course, you're going to fall short. So then we get pretty down on ourselves about that. And we start to think, man, I guess I'm just not enough. I just, my, I'm not as great as they are. And so this begins to eat away at our soul. So would you write this down? I want to challenge you, if you want to really shift from being I'm not enough, I want to challenge you to avoid comparison. Don't envy others' success. Instead, learn from it. If there is someone that seems to have it going on in some area of their life, just remember they don't have it going on in every area of their life. There's some areas they struggle into. And instead of being envious of them, instead of being jealous of them, be jealous for them. Learn from them. And so I want to encourage you to begin to shift your mindset and realize that God has placed people in our lives that we can learn from that are doing better in certain areas of our life than we are. And it's good to learn from them. So it's not that we don't want to watch what they're doing, but it's to emulate, not to be frustrated by. So I just want to challenge you to be very careful of comparison. It can begin to eat you alive from the inside out. So just be very careful of that. Maybe, maybe for you, you just need to put the phone away for a while. I mean, honestly, if it's really eating you up, maybe you need to put someone on mute or just quit following them. If there's certain people that just kind of trigger you into jealousy, into frustration, just, just don't follow that. I'll just encourage you not to do that. And so instead, why don't you, instead of focusing on what everyone else is doing, focus on what God wants to do in you. Focus on the word of God and what he has to say for you, for your life, for your future, for your destiny, rather than being so consumed with someone else's. We're all about following other people rather than following the Lord. So I want to encourage you to begin to just say, Lord, I want to back off of this a little bit and instead get in your word. If you're going to go digital, why don't you go, go digital Bible, get into his word and, uh, and learn from him because he has so much more for you. But this comparison game is going to eat you alive. Either, either one, it leads you to arrogance because you think you're better than someone or it leads you to depression because you think everyone's better than you. Either one's a losing proposition. So I encourage you instead to pull out of that and say, Lord, I want to run my own race. You've given me a calling. You give me, me a family, me a job, me a career. You've given me my, my life and my relationships. I want to focus on that instead of focusing on other people. Just want to encourage you with that today. Let's keep going. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul struggled with feeling like he was not enough. Look at his struggle. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, so pride must be an issue for him, I was given a thorn in my flesh. I like how it says given. It doesn't say I had a thorn in my flesh. It's I was given it. You know, this is the kind of gift nobody wants, right? Like, wait, Lord, that's the gift you gave me? He's like, yeah, I'm going to give you a gift. The gift I'm going to give you is a thorn in your flesh. Now, we don't know if it was physically actually a thorn in his flesh that he couldn't get out, but have you ever had a thorn? Maybe you ever got something stuck in your finger and you're trying to get it out, and it's like the, the more you dig at it to get it out, the deeper it goes. 
I mean, it's like, man, this really hurts. And you finally, to extract, you have to get really serious and like really drill into your own skin. Now you're bleeding all over the place. You're like, this, is, this just hurts. And it seems like something really small could really hurt. Isn't it incredible how that, that's that way? Like, ow, this really, oh. And you touch it and you're, ow, I didn't mean to. And finally you realize, I just got to dig in and get this out. And it really hurts. He had a thorn in him that he couldn't get out. Now, it could have been a physical thorn, but it probably wasn't. He was probably referring to the fact that there's something he couldn't get rid of in his life, some problem that was, that was uh, plaguing him. So to keep you from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me um, and to keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. What? So God says, hey, actually, this is going to help you, Paul. This is where you're weak, and, and where you're weak, I will do a great work. He goes on to say, so I am now glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to challenge you that oftentimes we feel like we're not enough because of a weakness we have, but we all have weaknesses. Everyone has them. It's just a human condition. We all have areas that we, that we fall into. Maybe if you're, you're like, you know, I mean, maybe if you're, you're like, man, most people can go to a bar and, and just have a drink. I can't do that. I, I just can't. I, I, can't, I can't stop. Maybe if you're, you're like, man, I, I mean, most people can just go to the pool and just enjoy a little vacation time. And I mean, man, I'm looking at all the wrong things. What is my problem, God? It's like this weakness I just can't get rid of. Maybe if you say, man, most people can keep their cool, but man, I, just, I just lose it and say things I regret and, oh, I wish I could control my temper. I don't know what it is for you, but we all have areas that you just, you think, man, why, am I the only one that just can't handle this? The answer is no, you're not the only one. We all have weaknesses. Maybe if you feel like, why am I always just selfish? I'm, I'm trying to be about other people, but I just, I'm always thinking about my own needs first. Even my prayers are all about me rather than asking God to do his will and work in my life. And so maybe for you, you just think, I just feel weak. Maybe you keep going back to the same sin Again and again, you're like, Lord, why can I not get past this? We're all weak in some area of our life. So number two, where you are weak, he is strong. Where you are weak, he is strong. God can use your weakness in a powerful way in your life. This is one of the great things about coming to church regularly. It's because you're reminded that there's a God who loves you in the middle of your weakness. You're reminded that like, even though you may feel like life is falling apart, there's still a God who's there and he's there to encourage you and to be there for you. And if you'll just admit your weakness, he can become strong in that area for you. He really can. We gave you a magnet on the way in, by the way, at all of our campuses. Would you pull it out real quick? It says, this year I will, and there's three things there. The first is attend church. You know, I was gonna talk about completing your mission. And I'll just mention this as kind of a little summary of what I was gonna pray, but what was gonna share about was that um, when the Apollo 11 mission went to the moon, it detached from the rocket that got it into orbit. Uh, the lunar module went to the moon and came back and then reattached a portion of the rocket to get back into, into the earth again. And so basically, if you want to complete your mission, you have to learn to, to reattach. And so this is the power of the Sabbath, is coming and reattaching, just getting back with God regularly, because we need that. We need that to, to complete our mission. We, we just, otherwise life begins overwhelming. This is why God has us to be a part of, of the church. You know, he says on the seventh day he rested. He called it the Sabbath. You know, S Sabbath is from the word Sabbat. Sabbat, Jesus actually uses, in, in Hebrews it refers to Jesus and it says, he said this, he said, he said come, come into me, get, know me. And he said, enter my rest, my Sabbat. Did you know when you come into God's house, you're not just coming to church, you're coming and you're entering into Christ's rest. 
In fact, then it says, after that in Hebrews, it says that Jesus died once and for all for all of us, for all of our sins. Because see, before that, we always had to you know, kill another lamb to pay for the sacrifice. It was like this constant work to make sure we were right with God. And Jesus says, no, I came so you can enter into me. I came and I paid the full price. He says, it is finished at the cross. I, I finished that. For those of you who say, I'm just not good enough. I gotta keep being good. And I gotta, so God will love me. And Jesus says, no, just enter into me. I'm good enough. Amen. And so Jesus is saying, I, I complete you. I've done the finished work that you need done at the cross. You can never finish it yourself. He says, I finished it, just enter into me. This is the power of being a part of God's house is that you are connecting, reconnecting with the God to remind you again and again, you're already enough. In Christ, you're already enough. I've completed you. I have finished you. You may not feel like it, but the truth is, is that you are. That's what's so great about being in God's house. You know, we all need that. You know, uh, I had a, a friend of mine um, tell me about this book called The Big Book. And uh, I've never been to AA uh, or 12-step, but I have mad respect for it. I have a lot of friends that have gone through it that, that said it just changed their life. It really helped them through an addiction, a struggle they had they couldn't get, get away from, whether it's alcohol or drugs or something else, that they just really needed it. And uh, it's really powerful. And so I, I thought, I'm going to buy that book. I just, I'm just curious what it says. So I, I read on I haven't read the whole thing, but what I have read was really powerful. One of the principles they teach um, in 12-step is, is called HALT. And it's, it's four things that kind of lead you to trigger, whether it's alcohol or maybe, maybe something else for you. But I think this applies to all of us. It's just basically when you're hungry, um, when you're angry, lonely, or tired, is when you act out in a way that's unhealthy. So you may want to write this down. Halt is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So when you're one of those things, what is your sin of choice? Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, it could be anger. Maybe for you, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, charges when you is when you turn on your phone and you start just scrolling and going through because you're just consuming media. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's food. You're like, I'm hungry. I'm, maybe you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. And because of that, you're just like, I just want to just lose myself with some bluebell ice cream, right? Maybe for you, it's something else. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to encourage you that when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that's just time to stop and say, Lord, before I go back and do the things I know I shouldn't do, God, I want, I want you to fill me up instead. So Holy Spirit, would you fill me because I need you more than I need that, that prescription drug. I need you more than I need that, that, that addiction, that struggle. I, I need you before I go find myself in the hands of the wrong person. Lord, I need you. So why don't you actually halt, stop, is what halt means, and say, whoa, 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 before I go down this road again, God, I just need you. I need you to fill me because we're all weak in some area. Where are you weak? He is strong. Maybe God brought you here today because he's saying to you, I know what you're struggling with. And I've asked Pastor Bill to broom this message because I want to tell you that I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. You can do this. It's not over. You can do this. I want to show you another scripture. It says in Matthew chapter five, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So he blesses you if you're not just you're poor, if you realize you're poor. And so it's one thing to be poor and not know it. It's another thing to be poor and realize, wow, I'm really broke, right? But poor doesn't just mean here. It doesn't just mean uh, financially. It actually, some translations say poor in spirit. So it could be financially because sure, sure, surely or certainly when you are broke and you can't pay bills, it's easy to go, God, I need you. <laughs> I don't want to get kicked out of my apartment or I don't want to lose my house. I don't want to lose my car. Lord, I need you. Would you please come through, right? And so when we, when we have those bills piling up and we don't know how to pay them, it definitely makes you call it to God. But maybe for you, that's not where you're poor. Maybe where you're poor is you're poor in relationship. Lord, I got in a fight again. 
God, I'm tired of fighting with my family members. Lord, I just, I just need you. Maybe you're poor in attitude. You say, Lord, I'm just so depressed I can hardly get out of bed. Maybe you're poor in prayer. Lord, I just haven't connected with you and I feel so alone. I don't know where you're poor, but we're all poor somewhere. And so God will fill you where you lack. Matthew 5, 3 in the message translation puts it this way. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. Are you at the end of your rope? Are you like, man, God, I've tried everything I know to try. I don't know how to fix this. I I just, I've had so many arguments. I don't know how to make my marriage right. I I don't know how to get this kid to obey the Lord. I don't know how to to turn them around. Lord, I don't know how to get my career going. I feel like every time I try to do something right at work, it falls apart. Lord, I just, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired of doing the wrong thing again, again. Lord, I keep falling into the same stuff. I'm just, I'm at the end of myself. And God says, I'm finally glad you're at the end of yourself because that's where I show up. That's where I deliver my goods is when you realize you can't do it on your own. There's a God who will come through for you. He shows up and does his greatest work in your life at your biggest point of need, at your biggest weakness, at your biggest struggle. When you can't solve it, you need to know this. God has designed your situation so he can come through for you. So he will place you in an opportunity for you to need him. Psalm 107 says, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good. Would you write this down? Number three, if you never need, you will never experience his power. But the fact that we do need, that we, that we have longings we can't fulfill, we have problems we can't solve, we have situations we don't know what to do, we, we have decisions to make that we don't, we're so confused and turn around. We don't know what the right decision is, but that's where God comes through. God will guide you. He will lead you. He will, he will be there in those dark moments, in that difficult time. He does his greatest work in that moment. Say, so God, you maybe say, Pastor, that sounds all great, you know, but you know what? I, I, I need God and I don't know what to do. I'm just confused. And God says, you don't know who I am? You don't know my name? My name is I am. Moses said, Lord, I, they're going to ask you, what's your name? What do I tell them? He said, tell them I, I am sent you. My name is I am. What does that mean? Well, Lord, I mean, this is a great sermon and all, but man, I got a major marriage problem. I don't know what to do. I need a marriage counselor. God says, oh, you didn't know? My name's I am. I am a marriage counselor. You say, Lord, I I need some finances. I need some provision. I don't have any. He says, oh, you didn't know my name. My name's I am. I am provision. Lord, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do next. He says, oh, oh, I am guidance. You didn't know that? Lord, I'm just so depressed. I'm just so, he says, I am encouragement. Anything you need, God says, I am what you need. I can complete you. I am. He is that and more for you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who by the power that is at work within us is able to do super abundantly far over and above all that we ask or think. I love that word, super abundantly. Next time someone says, hey, how you doing? You go, I'm super abundant today. How about you? <laughs> Isn't that a great word, super abundant? Just such a big word, right? Hey, how'd you do on the test today? Oh, man, it went super abundantly well. <laughs> like, wow, that's over the top, man. That's, yes, that's right. That's what it means. How's your career going? Super abundant. How about yours? <laughs> like, wow, I don't think mine's going that well. That's incredible. <laughs> How is church today? Super abundant. No, it's not just abundant. It's super abundant. Wow. It's like abundance with a cape on it. You know, it's like, wow, it's over the top. He says, I will come through for you. He said, he said if, you, if, you'll, if you'll just ask me, I'll, I'll come through for you. Isn't that great? God says, if you'll ask, I'll come through. Isn't that great to know that? Some of us need to learn to ask God, right? 
Maybe you prayed like I prayed before, Lord, uh, just please help me. I need you, God, because, you know, so far I haven't cussed at anyone. I haven't yelled at my kids. I haven't had a bad attitude, none of that. But, Lord, I'm about to get out of bed, and after that I'm going to need your help. I mean, <laughs> anybody know what I'm talking about? Honesty in the house of God today. I appreciate that. Matthew chapter 7 puts it this way. Ask, and God will give to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. Yes, everyone who asks will receive. That blows my mind. He didn't qualify that. He just said, he didn't say, everyone who's really godly, everyone who did this or did that, everyone who gives, everyone who's been moral this week, everyone who's been nice, every, no, everyone. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care where you've been or who you've been with. Everyone who asks will receive. Wow. Just ask. Ask and whoever asks will receive. Everyone who searches will find. Everyone who knocks will have the door opened. That's an amazing promise that God has given. You'll just ask. I'll come through for you. So God says, now God is seldom early, but he's never late. Case in point, I have a very dear friend, couple friend, uh, their names are Chris and Amanda. They go to the church. They've been part of the church for, gosh, decade and a half or more. And uh, Chris is a businessman, and he um, owns a bunch of real estate. It's what he does for a living. And a number of years ago, we were building the Rodfield campus, and he heard about it, and we were challenging people to, to give if they felt so led by God to do so. And he told me later, not at the time, he told me later that he was talking to his wife, and he said, honey, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I really feel like God's blessed us. We need to do something towards this. When God blesses me, I don't think it's all about me. I want to do something for God. You know, most of us never get to that point, by the way. I love the fact that his faith crossed over from saying, praying always, Lord, bless me. Lord, do this in my life. He finally began to say, God, what can I do for you? So that's real maturity, isn't it? When you shift gears and say, Lord, I'm not supposed to be asking you to do my will. <laughs> I'm supposed to be asking, Lord, what do I need to do for your will? So he began to say, God, what do you want me to do? And he really felt the Lord put upon his heart. And I asked permission to share this story. He said, I really believe God. He went to his wife and told her, I said, I think God wants us to give above our tithe this year $100,000. It's a lot of money. Six-figure gift to God one time. You know, and he's above and beyond his tithe, which he already is a, a generous person. So I was like, wow. So he goes to his wife. His wife immediately said, I totally agree with that. I think that is what God wants us to do. We're blessed. I think when you're blessed, you need to, to give back and, and to honor the Lord and recognize it's all his, you know? So he committed to that. So he committed that earlier in the year. And as the year went on, he's just doing this business. He's selling property and he's investing in property, this and that. That's what he does. And so he had a property he just had listed and he sold it to a friend of his, a guy that what he did a lot of business with. Well, the property had gone through inspection and he did all the right things. After the guy owned it, I mean, not even within a month of, the, of, of his buddy that owned it now, all of a sudden, there's a huge roof problem that the inspector didn't catch. So there was really no covering. It was like, hey, no, none, no one knew this was going to happen. It was, you know, they're just one of those things that just happens. You just don't know until you peel back a layer that it's there. They didn't know that. And so two tenants move out. It's a commercial property out in an area of our town called Cal Allen. So now there's three tenants. There's the owner who bought the building. He won a portion of it. And he's got two renters. They both move out. So now this guy's losing money. He goes to Chris. He's like, Chris, Bro, you sold me a dud. He's like, well, did you get inspected? It was your inspector. I didn't get inspected. He goes, yes, I did. And, 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 but the problem is this guy owned a lot of properties to Chris. He's like, look, man, you got to make this right. He's like, make it right. I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I sold your property and it's, you know, they're all as is. I mean, we did, you did an inspection. So I, I don't know how I'm on the hook. And he goes, hey, I understand you don't have to do this, but, but if that's the case, I'm going to pull the other properties I have from you. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't do that. He's got a lot with him. So Chris is like, look, my word with you, my trust with you is important. So he just, he's like, Lord, you're killing me. I thought you were wanting me to do something big for you. Now I gotta basically buy a property I don't want. 
So he does the right thing. He buys the property back. He doesn't want this property. But he knows there's so much on the line. He goes, no, I'm going to do this. He buys the property back. Now he owns a property he doesn't want. Insurance transfers from one person to another in commercial when you, when you, when you buy a property. So he's like, okay, so I'm covered. I know there's a roof issue. Insurance company comes out and says, well, actually, uh, this was, well, we didn't know this is here. We're not covering this. This is not under your insurance. There has to be something catastrophic for it to be covered. So you need to replace this on your own. In fact, we are not going to update your insurance. So like, we're not going to renew. We're going to cancel your insurance. He's like, you, you got to be kidding me. So he, so Chris calls a guy out to come and give him a bid on what it would cost to replace the roof. Cause that's what they're saying. You got to replace the roof or we won't insure it. So he's like, I have to get this thing insured. So he, he gets an estimate. The estimate was a hundred thousand dollars. So he's like, okay, God, you told me to give a hundred grand. This is going to cost me a hundred grand. Like this is not exactly going in the right direction. Right. But he trusted the Lord. He's like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what's going on, but I know God spoke to me. I'm going to trust the Lord. So he buys his property. He already owns the property now with a broken roof. He's got to replace insurance is about to run out. The two tenants have already moved out. I mean, this is, you know, the, the, his one tenant's still there. Cause he's now paying rent. The guy that he did own the building is paying rent to him, but you know, it's got to get fixed. So he's like, I don't know what to do. He's just praying. He doesn't know what to do. He's seeking the Lord. Two days, this is a true story, two days before the insurance ran out on the building, a tornado hit Corpus Christi. It didn't hit Corpus, it actually hit Cal Allen. It actually only hit one spot, it only hit one street. In fact, it actually only hit one building on one street. In fact, it actually only hit one spot on one building on one street in one part of the city. And this tornado touched down, ripped the roof off of this building, and then went away. This is a true story. So, <laughs> I, again, I asked permission to share. There's only reason I'm comfortable sharing these real numbers. So, so my friend Chris calls his... His agent had told him they're about to cancel. His agent's like, you got it. I, I mean, I promise. The agent comes out to meet him at the property. Two days left on this insurance. Looks at it, And literally the agent's like, bro, you're a snake. I can't. He's like, I didn't do anything. I just. He's like, did you rip? He's like, you think I can rip a roof off? You think I can just pull that back? Like, clearly the evidence is here. You do this all day long. You know that's an act of God. Literally an act of God. And he's like, I cannot believe that. Well, so since he had just recently bought the building, it was still going through the process of transfer. It was already officially in his name, but there's a paperwork trail with that. So because at the insurance, did he just figured out what was going to cover the cost of tenants, damages, the building damages, the whole thing, and they wrote a check. But, but they wrote a check to the current insurer, which was the guy who just sold the building back to Chris. So he, this guy, had to sign the check over to Chris. So he sees a check. Looks at Chris and he's like, you dog. Are you serious? He's like, hey man, you wanted me to buy that building back. I mean, so I did. And so he signs over this massive check and he's like, I can't believe, right? I mean, he just, 30 days ago I owned this, man. And now you're getting, so he gives him a check. Chris fixes the roof, fixes the damage to the tenant's area, you know, replaces all the costs of that, fixes the roof. He, Chris says, when, the, when it was all said and done, what was left was $100,000. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. As he told me that at lunch, he slid a check across the table and said, this is for Church Unlimited. For $100,000, I was like, I will take this right now to the finance department. <laughs> Unbelievable. God came through for him. He had a promise. God came through for him. But then, to be fair, to be true, 
then Chris came through for God. Then he did what the Lord told him to do. He didn't, you know, a lot of people say, hey, thanks, Lord, I'm good. And, no, he didn't do that. He's like, no, Lord, I know this is your money. Thank you, Lord. You made a way where there was no way. You are a way maker. You made this possible. Isn't that great? Number four, if you want to do much for God, ask much from God. If you want to do much for God, don't be afraid to ask much from God. It's okay to do that. God wants you to not be afraid to ask him. In fact, right now, I want to ask us right now, we're going to do something different today in today's service. I just want everyone to stand to their feet at all of our campuses right now. And as you stand, we want to enter just a moment of worship. And I just want to ask you, is there some things you've, there some things you've been saying you're praying for that you're really not praying for? You're like, oh, I'm praying about that. And you've been saying that for years. But I want to ask you, are you really praying about that? Or did you kind of just say that because you prayed one time and then you kind of forgot about it? Are you really knocking at the door so it'll open? Someone needs to start knocking again. Someone needs to start asking God again. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going we're to turn all of our stages and all of our campuses into an altar. The Bible is very clear that, that David and others, uh, Moses would do this. When they wanted to go to God, they would build an altar, a place to bring a sacrifice, and they would bring themselves and say, Lord, I know all I have is yours, and I ask you to come through for me. And so God says, you need to ask me. You know, one of the greatest spiritual acts of worship you can ever do is to start asking God again for something big. So right now, they're in this worship time. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I believe some of you need to start knocking you need to start knocking before God. Lord, I'm going to knock on that door again. I'm just going to ask you to open it. God, I just need you to come through. I'm at the end of my rope, God. I've done everything I know to do with this marriage. And so, Lord, I'm just going to ask you. I'm just going to ask you. I'm at the end of my rope with this kid. I'm just going to ask you. Lord, would you please get a hold of their heart? Because I've tried. I can't get their heart. Would you get their heart? Lord, I don't know what else to do about this financial problem. God, I just, I just need you to do something. You can rip a roof off of one building with perfect timing, you can certainly pinpoint my problem and solve it. So God, I just, I'm just asking. Right now, we're going to open up all of our campuses right now, an altar. You come forward if you know you need to give something right with God. You need to surrender something to God. You just come forward right now, all of our campuses, as God stirs in you. you say, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what else to do, God. All I know to do is come before you and ask again. God, would you come through for me? Lord, would you just show me? Because God, I'm, I'm at the end of myself. I've tried to fix this. I can't fix it. I need you, God. I need you. I need you to show up with your power. I need you to answer this. You are the great I am. So God, I call out to you. I just need you. You come forward. You honor God. Maybe you need to come forward as a couple, as a family. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, I just need you. I don't know what to do. But God has designed your situation to need him so that he can deliver you. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He says, I am a healer. I am a deliverer. I am a financial counselor. I am provision. Lord, I just need a man or woman in my life. God says, no, no, I am that first. You didn't know that? I am. I, I am needs to be enough first. Before I bring someone else in your life to disobey, the Lord with. God says, no, no, no. You need to make me your I am. I am the answer to all those things. And when I do that, Lord, the Lord says, when I do that, then I'll bring someone. But not until then. Let's get your heart right. Let's make sure you, you put the Lord first. I am is all you need. Surrender to the Lord today. Surrender to him. Trust God with all that you are. Trust the Lord. What area of your life are you at the end of your rope in? Trust him with that today. Maybe some of you say, Pastor, I just feel like I'm just not enough. 
Guess what? None of us are. We were designed to be filled by God because in Christ, we're all enough. In Christ, you're smart enough. You're good looking enough. You're young enough. You're wise enough. You're educated enough. You're connected enough. In Christ, you are enough. He fills us. He's the difference maker. He's the great I am. Let him meet your need right now. Lord, we just trust you. We just love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you. Maybe today you need to know that he is a forgiving God. And he completely forgives you for what you've done. And it is completely covered by the will of Christ. He has covered your sin completely. Today is a new day in Christ for you. Today is a new day. Let it go. He has. It's time for you to let it go. For you to hold on to that guilt and that shame, what you're saying to God is your, your cross is not enough. And that's just not true. It's enough. He forgives you. He renews you. He is enough, which makes you enough. Let's worship him. Let's put him first right now across all of our campuses. You honor the Lord right now. God, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for making a way. Thank you, God. If we knock, you'll open the door. If we ask, we will receive. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never received Jesus, if you'll ask, you'll receive him right now. You can pray a simple prayer and receive Christ. Pray this prayer with us. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? Yeah. Woo. Man. Woo. His word is so true. Please give a hand to all these people who have come forward at all of our campuses. They're just honoring God. Praise God. Thank you so much. Incredible.